I'm going to be in two different places in the Old Testament today. First in Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah chapter 12, and I want to read one verse there, and then we're going to go to Joshua chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 12. It says in verse 5, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trust, they weary thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Very important, that last part. How will you do in the swelling of Jordan? Joshua chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. Children of Israel come into the promised land as they have been waiting on. God has promised them for many, many years. Beginning at verse 14, they have to get across the Jordan. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, watch this, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground and all the people were passed clean over Jordan. With the help of the Lord this morning, as God has directed, and I feel very strongly about this message today, even in a prophetic sense, that God wants me to talk to you about the high tides of life. the high tide. Father, Lord, you know I need you today. Lord, if you don't anoint this word and this vessel, if you don't anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, then we will leave out unchanged. But God, there's something significant that happens with the anointing. It lifts off and destroys the yoke of bondage. And I'm asking you right now, Lord, to lift some spirits and some hearts in this house today. May the grace of God, may the overwhelming presence of Jesus, may it be felt during these times together in your word we ask these things we believe these things 
in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. <clears throat> I want you to listen to the Lord's challenge of Jeremiah 12, verse 5, in the version called The Message. Listen to what it says. So Jeremiah, if you are wore out in the foot race with men, what makes you think you can race against horses? And if you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan in flood? Christian living, <clears throat> what does it imply? Does it mean solely that once we accept the Lord, we live in abundance and blessings and provision? Is it that once we accept Christ, we live easier as a child of God than what we lived as an unbeliever? The local pastor, the shepherd, the man of God that cares more about the body of the sheep than the wool of the sheep will always be someone that preaches and teaches the truth of Scripture. And what is the truth of Scripture? The truth is we serve a Savior that said very forthright, if any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. Folks, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. We are taking up space occupying this world, but we are striving for the world that is to come. As we live in this world, we understand that hardships and challenges are ahead for the true child of God. Now, I understand that that may cost me some worshipers for next week, but I refuse to lead you to believe something that is not the truth. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. There are some high tides in your future. There are some storms, some torrential downpours that sometimes become so deep and overwhelming that you wonder if you will stay afloat. In fact, I know for a fact that some in this room this morning are swimming in high tides, even this very day. The Spirit of God dropped this into my heart this week, that while this may not apply to everyone, there are 25 people in this room that need this word from God today. Embrace the truth. The life of godly service is not easy. In fact, the life of true godly service will become harder and more challenging the longer you walk with the Lord. There'll be more temptations. There'll be more tests. There'll be more trials. There'll be more tribulations. You start out running with the foot soldiers and now God is calling you to run with the horses. 
You start out in a land of peace and have weariness even when things are peaceful. And now God calls you to navigate the torrents and the cascading rushes of the Jordan River. As I was preparing my heart this week for this message on the high tides of life, I began to ask myself the question, what can we learn? What lessons can we glean about the high tides of life that come from the Word of God? The first thing that I think we need to embrace is that no matter how low or high the tide is, we are going to walk in. We have a made-up mind that even in flood stage, we are going to go in. We're not going to retreat. We're not going to run away. But like the priest in Joshua chapter 3 that were about to lead millions of Jews into the overflowing banks of the Jordan River, we are going to move forward. Imagine the pressure of the godly command that was given to these men, these priests, to move forward. The banks of the, of the Jordan River, all over, the, there was water everywhere. It was, a, it was a, a tremendous, tremendous challenge that was in front of them. Let me just paint the picture a little bit specifically. For the scripture says the Jordan was overflowing all of its banks. Now, let me tell you something. I, I've, I was baptized in the Jordan River, and that was an awesome experience. I, I saw the site where Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. I look forward to again in the next few months going to see the Jordan River for myself. But let me tell you something about the Jordan River. During most of the year, the Jordan River is only about 100 feet wide. But did you know that during flood stage, when the scripture talks about it overflowing its banks, it can become as wide as one mile. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done the math. That means that the Jordan under normal circumstances at 100 feet wide can grow to 5,280 feet wide. That's 53 times in its width what it is under normal circumstances. And yet two times in Scripture, the Scripture talks about the Jordan overflowing all of its banks. In other words, it was during a flood stage. It was during a high tide. Not only does it become wider, but, but research has proven that during its flood stage, the Jordan River can be 14 feet deeper than any at any other of its serene times. So what we're saying here is, is that those priests that were leading the children of Israel into the promised land and has to cross the Jordan, they're not facing a hundred foot wide Jordan. They're facing a Jordan that's one mile wide, five, five, 53 times its normal width. They're not only facing a, a wide Jordan River, but they're also facing a Jordan River that's 14 feet deeper during its flood stage than any other time. It's not something you or I would have signed up for. But can I tell you, God chooses times like that, times by his divine providence to prove 
prove his miraculous arm, to prove his miraculous strength. And so these priests, what they were to do was to move forward in obedience. They didn't know if they were walking to their death or not. They just knew that they had to walk by faith and not by sight because by sight told them that they were going to drown, that they were going to perish, that there was no way that they were going to be able to walk through this this very deep body of water. But I'm telling you, the reason they were able to go forward is because they were under the command of Jehovah and also because on their shoulders they bore the presence of Jehovah God. Oh, Lord, help me preach this morning. This Ark of the Covenant, which signified the presence of God, it was hoisted to their shoulders. It is what was going to lead the nation into uh, the Jordan River. And so they knew that when they hoisted the Ark of the Covenant onto their shoulders, those six priests knew that they were bearing the presence of Jehovah God. I've come by to preach to someone today. You have got to keep walking. You've got to keep moving. You cannot afford to stand still. You cannot afford to retreat. Do not lose your victory for God is with you. And when you move from ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep to neck deep, even to that point that you think you're about to go under, what you need to remember is number one, you bear the presence of Jehovah God in your life. And number two, you need to remember that anytime anything is over your head, it's always under his feet. Somebody say praise the Lord. As soon as the feet of the priest were submerged, the water stopped flowing from upstream and stood like a wall about 20 miles away. Each step, God cut off the water flowing until they stood in the middle of a riverbed on dry ground. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said when God opened the Red Sea 80 years earlier, he used a strong wind, the blast of his nostrils in response to to Moses lifting up his rod. But 80 years later, when Israel crossed the Jordan, it was not the obedient arm of a leader. It was the obedient feet of the people. A leader is a human that will let you down. And that is why no matter what's going on in your life, you've got to continue to walk in the Spirit and be led of the Spirit. And if the Spirit of God leads you to the edge of your Jordan, and it seems like it's overwhelming and it's overflowing. You must not back up. You must know whether he opens it with a miracle or whether you swim the high tide up to your neck. He will be with you always, even unto the end, because you, friend, like the priest, you bear the presence of Jehovah, and because you bear the presence of Jehovah, you will never go under. I came across an interesting passage of Scripture this week. And it was found in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 8 and verse 15. Now listen very carefully. It talks about some men from a tribe 
called Gad. They were very devoted to David. 393 years later, after the crossing of the Jordan, these men from this tribe of Gad, very loyal to their king, the scripture says they were men of war fit for battle that could handle shield and buckler. Their faces were like the faces of lions, and they were swift as the rose upon the mountains. But listen to this. This is what I want you to get. It says, these are they that went over Jordan when it overflowed all of its banks. These are they, these men that were devoted to David. They were loyal to the king. They did exactly as the Jews and Joshua did 393 years earlier. They started forward. They started moving. They started walking. But I don't read anywhere in there that the Lord parted the Jordan for these men of the tribe of Gad. In other words, they swam across the Jordan River at 14 feet deeper and 5,100 feet wider because of their devotion to their king. They did it all for David. I'm telling you, I serve a greater than David. And you may be looking at someone can't bench too much in the weight room. And sometimes I wear out when I'm doing my cardio. But I'm telling you in the spiritual realm, you're not looking at a wimp. I'm not among a bunch of pansies in this house today. I am a child of God. I'm looking at some sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I declare myself to be a mighty man of valor. And if there's a high tide in my future, whether God opens it so I can walk through on dry ground or whether I have to swim it with water up to my neck, I know I'm going to make it to the other side and nothing the devil throws my way is going to cause me to give up on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Go forward. Quit retreating. Don't stand still. God is on your side. My God, my God. There's a core. I thought this week. There's a core of tenacity and fortitude that is in this body. <laughs> There's a large group of folks sitting in this room. You've seen some stuff over the last several years. Stuff that would have broke a lot of people. But you realized you bore the presence of Jehovah. It wasn't about a man. It wasn't about a building. It was the reality that you bore the presence of Jehovah, not on your shoulders, but in your hearts. And you didn't jump ship. You stayed the course. And I'm telling you, sometimes the waters got high. Sometimes it seemed like they were long. 
not a hundred feet long, but a mile long. It seemed like you weren't ever going to swim out of it. There's some there's people in this room. You probably thought, you probably heard from people in the town, in the county, and surrounding areas. I don't know what's happened to that Pulaski church. They've gone through quite a bit. I wonder what they got going on over there. I'm telling you what they got going on over there. God decided by his providence to send in not one high tide, not two high tides, but a few high tides. And when those high tides came in, what you decided you were going to do was square your shoulders and say, God, you have the ability and the power to open this high tide, or you have the strength to help me swim it. But one thing's for sure, I'm not turning back. I'm not running away. I'm not leaving. I'm staying the course. And God is honoring this church for its faithfulness. My God, I feel his spirit. All the enemy tries to take us down. But the God in heaven laughs at the enemy's tactics because he knows what you're made of. (laughs) Second thing you need to know, that was just the first thing. A determination that we're going in. We're going in. Don't you think for a minute that there's not more high tides in the future of the Pulaski Church of God. But we're going in. We're not backing up. I'm telling you, I needed this as much as anybody else this week. We're not capitulating. We're not backing up. We're not retreating. We're going forward. God didn't call us to stand still. He didn't call us to live in the past. He's got a plan. He's got a future. And he will test your medals by sending a high tide into your life. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, this is happening in some marriages. This is happening in some families. The enemy's trying to wreak havoc between fathers and daughters and mothers and sons and husbands and wives. Oh, I wish somebody would square their shoulders, stand flat-footed, look at the old devil squaring his ugly eyeball and say, let me tell you something. I'm a blood-washed, blood-bought child of the king. You can't have me. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my family. I'm not backing up. It may be a high tide in front of me. I'll swim it if I have to, but I'm going to make it to the other side. Now I'm going to go to the second thing. Second thing you need to declare is that harvest and high tide go hand in hand. Joshua 3.15, for Jordan overflows his banks all the time of harvest. When harvest time came in, the Jordan was at flood stage. When flood stage at the Jordan came in, it was harvest time. (laughs) You see, I believe a recurring principle 
that needs to be reinforced in the body of Christ is the very stark difference between escaping faith and enduring faith. Escaping faith is when God delivers you from something in your life. Thank God for those times. But the longer I've been in this thing, the more I've found out that something that's more precious than escaping faith is enduring faith. You see, there's times God brings you out of something, but there's also times that, or, or delivers you from something, but there's also times when God brings you through something. There is no escaping faith. Escaping faith is not working. That's not God's plan. You beg and you plead and you plead and you beg, and God says, nope, no, 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 no. I'm not going to say peace be still this time. This high tide, we're going to keep it in place, but I'm going to go, I'm going to travel it with you. Oh, yeah, it happens. I've watched believers in my family. I've watched believers in this church. You've endured graduating trials. I've watched some of you. I, you know, it's one thing, and I try to bear the burdens of the flock that I'm leading. But what really grieves me and really gets a hold of me is when I see someone that barely gets out of one thing and something else is right on its heels. They go through the loss of a loved one and at the same time get an ugly diagnosis from the doctor. But I want you to know something. As you have walked through and swam through some high tides, the harvest has been watching and observing. And I know this is not easy to hear. And I believe God is concerned about everything in our lives. Everything, everything. Big and small and everything in between. But God is not near as concerned about what's going on around you as much as he is what's going on inside of you. Development within is more important to your heavenly father than the difficulties around you. Impacting the harvest while you're walking out or swimming out the trial you find yourself in. And I guarantee you, friend, God is touching people around you through your enduring faith. As you walk in this Christian life, more and more you understand you have to learn and embrace that God is touching the harvest through your enduring faith. So don't despise the high tides. Don't look down on the trials. For they are more precious and more valuable than anything in this world. God said in the, in the letter in Peter, he said, Your trial of faith is more precious than gold that perishes. It's more precious than gold. You, you say, I, I'm in pain. I'm emotionally spent. Why is God allowing this to happen to me? 
God is, is loving you unconditionally. And he's cherishing you unconditionally. Even during the times when you feel your lowest, God is saying that this trial in your life is more precious than anything the world has to offer. And then in another, another thing he says is that we, all, we always need to be reminded of this, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed inside of us. I don't understand it, God, but I'm going to trust you. I can't figure it out. Why aren't you moving? But I am not going to turn my back on you. Job cursed the day he was born when he lost, lost all ten of his children. When he lost every bit of value, materialism that he had in the world. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, he's, he's sitting on an ash heap. The boils on his body are so bad, he's taking rocks and he's scraping his flesh to try to get some relief. But he also said these words, the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I will not, I will not give up on my God. People are watching. Maybe it should come as no shock that Peter of the twelve would become the greatest soul winner of the disciples because the high tide didn't cause him fear. He just got out of the boat and walked on it. Again, there seems to be a direct correlation between surviving the high tides of this life and winning people to Jesus. In his first sermon, 3,000 people came to the Lord. Yes, there were times the Lord said, peace be still, and the water calmed, but on that particular occasion, Jesus did not say, peace be still. He just said, Peter, take me by the hand. And they walked the high tide together. You've got to handle the high tide. You've got to gather the harvest. God will help you to do both. A determination to go in and understanding that the harvest is watching you as you navigate the high tide. Oh God, why don't you just open it up and let me walk through on dry ground like the children of Israel. And God says, no, I'd rather you swim it like the men of Gad that were devoted to King David. Oh God, you just don't realize how wide this Jordan is. You just don't realize how deep this Jordan is. Ah, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And the third thing I would say to you, you must be determined to go in. You must realize that harvest and high tide go hand in hand. And then thirdly, you must go in with the intent to praise. You've got to do it. It's not enough just to 
walk into the high tide. He's going to divide it. He's not going to divide it. You don't know. All he tells you to do is walk in. But when you walk in, you've got to have the intent. You've got to have the, the, the fortitude that says high tides cannot, must not diminish my praise. Raging storms and gale force winds will not drown out my worship. I don't know if he's going to open this Jordan or if I'm going to have to swim through it, but I'm going to do it with praise in my heart and worship on my lips. Did you know that when God opened the Jordan for the children of Israel that they, they set up stones from every tribe as a memorial to what God had done there. In other words, there was worship and praise for the miraculous hand of God that had been working on their behalf. A testimony that would be to generations coming behind them. Are you there? I don't know who you 25 people are. I know that God dropped that in my spirit just as sure as I'm standing here. About a tenth of this congregation. Man, you're begging God to open the, open the river. And God's saying, whether I open it or not, what I really want you to do is just take me by the hand. I'm not going to let you go under. If you feel like you want prayer this morning, as this song is being played, I just want you to, to come. You can come and kneel. You can come and stand. If you're in a high tide, but this is your determination and your resolve that you're, that you're going in. You're not going to try to jump ship on the Lord, but you're going in. Listen, listen to the words of this powerful song. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. I've stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be all right but right now oh right now i just can't it's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down but what will i say when i'm held to the flame like i am right They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing. 
Heart to come and put an arm around their shoulder. Would you come right now? Come on, all over this house. 